Hello and welcome to Mammal, the only podcast where you can listen to two mics on mic discussing their own personal top fives. You join us here on episode five, where we're about to discuss our top five forgotten childhood video games. But obviously it wouldn't be Mike on Mike without my co-host. It's Mike. Hi. Uh, and my first thing is to talk about that I've messed this top five category up already. In what way? Um, I would say one, two, you could argue are potentially forgotten, mm-hmm. but the other three are not. Oh. But two of them are definitely old childhood games. Well, for me, anyway. If, you, if you're in your early 20s... They might be ones that other people have forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, but... <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely childhood games. And like I say, if you are in your um, late 20s, like me, early 30s, like you, then they're definitely games of your, your childhood. That's fair. So for me, this... Uh, whole topic was inspired by the Rugrats game that you suggested back on episode one. It was a game I'd completely forgotten about and had mentioned on the podcast. I actually sought out buying the PS1 and Rugrats for Search for Reptile <laughs> just to actually play the game again. So this whole idea is let's try and think of games. Well, this is how I perceive this topic. Let's think of games that I haven't thought about in years, but actually got such vivid childhood memories of. If we ever do a Let's Play, we're definitely buying a PS1 again. Oh, that that sounds like a good idea. There seems to be quite a delay on the record, have you noticed? What do you mean? I'm stopping, and then you're not speaking for about five seconds. Yeah, but some of of them are genuinely just thinking that you're going to say something. Okay, that's fine then. (laughs) I thought there was a a big delay, so we're all good. As you know, we are recording this in in lockdown. We're unable to see each other's faces, so we can't see each other like taking breaths and preparing to speak. It's just, it's a difficult time really to start a podcast, but also the best time to start a podcast. I think as well they're useful because this will just always be our sort of normality. Like, I think I'll find it weird recording. Like, I assume eventually we'll do one to, you know, like face to face together, but that will be strange, I think. Yeah, it's not going to be for quite a few episodes yet though, is it? Oh no, definitely. Sad times. But, on the, like I say, on the bright side, it means that we never have to... You know, some people who started podcasting in the same room obviously had to adapt to this. Didn't yeah, they? it must be a lot harder. Whereas we've got a much... Yeah, we've got a much easier adaption, haven't we? Because like, being in the same room will just make everything easier. One computer, um, one thing being recorded rather than two. It would actually so be Mike be and... Much easier. So, like, go on. I was going to say, it would actually be Mike and Mike on mic. Because currently it's Mike and Mike on mics. Hey, Mammon still works, though. It does. That's that's a great thing about the name. No, so genuinely... Uh, with, with... Oh, go on. No, go on. You oh, speak. Go on. You speak. There you go. You know, you speak. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, obviously, this will be out. By the time this podcast is out, people hopefully have already noticed. But just in case I haven't, we have spent about an hour, haven't we, creating a new uh, logo, which we're actually pretty proud of, saying... It's two people with absolutely no experience in graphic design. design. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Although I wanted to be a graphic designer when I was younger. You got it art? No. That's why it was a bit of a <laughs> went nowhere sort of <laughs> idea of you just mine. like the idea of it. <laughs> it was like, well, that sounds like a cool job, a graphic designer. And then that was it. No further. No. So with this list, going back to the actual topic, um, I struggled in a very, very, very good way. So we talked recently about how we're going to put a back burner on top five heroes because we're struggling with the topic. But this one, I've got too many answers for the topic. And I think I'm going to have to tweet and Facebook out a picture of my list to show you what I had to narrow it down from. 
because it's actually insane. I feel I feel like with this podcast, you're Hermione and I'm Ron. <laughs> What's two times twenty-seven? Fifty-four. I've got fifty-four that I've narrowed it down to. That, that narrowed it down from Jesus. Yeah. See, this is what I mean. You're Hermione. You've gone way over with the prep. <laughs> I'm Ron. I literally I got five and then was scraping an honourable mention together. Really? Well, I think the problem is I'm just. I'm really particular with my top fives. And like, there's loads of things that I like, but I was like, but it's not top five. Holy fuck, there's one that or I didn't put on my there's list. Top fives that we, there's top fives that we could have picked, uh, could, well, potentially would have picked, but you'd already mentioned in your games, for instance, or I'd mentioned in my games. So like Rugrats obviously would have been my top five childhood, but I'd already mentioned it. Um, you mentioned Ocarina of Time, which might have gone on there, for instance. Yeah, but I feel like Ocarina of Time, Zelda, yes, they're childhood games, but they're definitely ones that... I remember and to this day still remember and most people remember. So that's why for me they weren't on this list. But obviously you got confused about the topic title. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to put top five childhood games brackets one of the mics forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we'll, we'll call the we'll call the topic top five childhood games because I also don't disagree with this list of being my top five childhood games. It still works on both levels. Yeah, it actually for me does. That's good. Okay, so then <laughs> I didn't fuck up. Then we'll just edit all that out and we'll <laughs> pretend that we were both right, on the we, same. Should we restart the podcast from here? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Welcome to <laughs> Mike and Mike. <laughs> right. Always getting professional. Now then, this is the unprofessional bit. Who started last week? It was you, wasn't it? Or was it me? I sort of hosted it, so called you in first, so you're sort of hosting or calling Yes, me yes. So, Mike, let's start at number five. I'm already, I've already changed my list from what I originally had, by the way, at the start of this episode. We've been recording now, obviously, stuff has got edited, but we've been recording now for 15 minutes, and I've just decided to change my list right at this second. Hmm. Well, with my list, interestingly, normally I put five down and then number them, whereas this time um, I did them in order for my... First, second, third, fourth, and then I was struggling for a fifth, and it came to me today, uh, and I'm really happy with it. So my number five is a game that was on uh, PlayStation Two, original Xbox, GameCube. Uh, I actually picked it up on the GameCube. That's another story I'll mention, but um, it was Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. The oh, game. that was an amazing! I've not got that. I've not got it on my list. <laughs> there you go. Great show. It's great choice. Oh, that's that's a brilliant choice. I loved that one. That that was one that I I played it at a friend's house uh, on his PS2 and just absolutely loved it. Was desperate to get it. Yeah. Um, See, I think I had it on the Xbox. Oh, nice! I never had the original Xbox, and then was obsessed with the 360. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Lord of the Rings: Two Towers is the the video game adaptation of the film, not the book. And you just played through the film essentially, and it was a sort of hack and slash action, sort of God of War style game for those yeah. who haven't played it. Uh, and you played beat for beat the story, which was brilliant because obviously two thirds of that film is just Helm's Deep essentially. Um, and what was great as a game, it was there's a couple of things that I think was special for me. One was it was the first time I seemed to remember a game being like almost photorealistic. Obviously, you look back now, it looks dreadful, but like at the time, I seemed to remember going, "God, this looks so realistic." Yeah. You know, when you go back to sort of the N64, as good as like Goldeneye was, it still looked like a game. At no point did I think this is photorealism. Whereas I, this is where I started to see it uh, happening. And again, it was one of the first times. Maybe I was getting a bit older. The first time like, I felt powerful as a character like, when. I was Aragorn I felt like Aragorn I think there was something about that when you were Legolas you felt like you were Legolas you felt cool you felt like you could take on hundreds of all um 
so yeah, I thought it was brilliant. That even that the mini games on Helm's Deep, there's one section where you had to knock the um, the ladders, didn't you? Ladders off. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it, like I say, it was just it was so cool, and it was super replayable as well. I just remember just going through my favourite stages. Like after I'd completed it, I'd just play for the certain uh, sections that were that, again that I found the most enjoyable. Um, which at the time was basically anyone any time that you played as Aragorn or Legolas, I was like, yeah, yeah and didn't really game. care for playing as Gimli, if I, if I remember correctly. No, I he don't was just a small rotund bloke just swinging an axe. Yeah, super northern as well, wasn't he? And he was quite clunky, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great shout of a game. And, and with this as well, a sort of little story of. Um, uh, so this was one of three on, games I ever owned on the game. Are we going to sit around at Mike's story time? Yeah, it's Mike's story time. Gather around <laughs> one and all, it's Mike's story time. There you go, you've got a jingle. I hope you keep that tune for every single one. <laughs> um, so that Christmas, the Xbox came out, um, and I, I put that on my list as my as my number one choice, not thinking I'd get it. Um and at Christmas, my mum always sort of orders the presents from like the the naff sort of stocking fillers, you know, like some smarties or whatever, and it builds up to your sort of your main present, and you know it's coming. So I saw this sort of shape that looked sort of the shape of what a games console might come in. So I was getting excited, uh, and as she gave it to me, she's like, "Right." She went. I went into a game in town and or HMV, whatever it was. She went to. She's like, and, and I couldn't quite remember what it was. So I said to the, the man in the shop, I was like, "It's a games console, and there's a shape in it. There's there's a shape as part of the name." And dead happy, I said, "You're the best mum in the world." And I open the GameCube. Don't know what <laughs> I've never been. Oh, honestly, but then you, you know, because she was so excited, I sort of had to. I was like. Oh, thank you so much, Mum. This is amazing. <laughs> she was like, yeah, are you going to be able to play that Halo on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, bless So you. this, Super Mario Sunshine, uh, and one of the game I can't remember, uh, were the only three games I ever owned for. Really? <laughs> I owned quite a lot of my GameCube. Yeah, but I've heard a lot of people say... But I think I was just so disappointed it wasn't an Xbox yeah. that I never gave it a fair chance. Um, GameCube's where I played Time Splitters. Time Splitters 2 on the GameCube's where I played that one. God, I can't imagine playing Time Splitters. See, because I grew up with a Nintendo 64, the controller, it didn't it didn't feel funny to me. I know people, obviously, that's probably one of the biggest stick that Nintendo gets. Some people struggle with the controller because it tends to be a bit different compared to the Xbox and PlayStation, which stick to this traditional sort of game controller. But I think, yeah, because of that, I never had an issue playing around with it. So, yes, yeah, so that's my fifth choice. And, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, it was a last-minute decision, but I'm, I'm really happy with it. Cracking choice. Link to it as well. The Return of the King was really good as well, um, but not quite as good, in my yeah. opinion, for whatever reason. As I still rem- two I can't remember what battle it was. I'm not as big as Lord of the Rings fan as you, but there was a big battle in which I just remember just taking down a load of orcs continuously. It was just relentless, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, it's, it's a great game for that, like I said. I think Hack and Slash can be a bit boring, but, you know, because it's a topic I enjoy, it, it took away that repetitiveness. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've never really characters. got into many, like, original God of Wars or Devil May Cry and stuff like that. I never got into them, personally. But Yeah, played Dynasty no. Wars. But isn't Dynasty Warriors the one that they've semi-remade as a Zelda game called Hy- Hyrule Warriors? I think it's the I, same concept. Maybe. And I played a demo of that, and actually I quite enjoyed that. So maybe I've, maybe I've just not given them enough of a chance. Maybe it needs to be about a topic that I enjoy. Yeah, there you go. That's the trick, yeah. probably, isn't it? Okay, your number five. My number five, in which I feel very unprepared for right now, because <laughs> I am annoyed at myself for not including it, but I'm worried I bumped something that... 
no one would have heard of that was in my top five, but actually I think this one does come above it. So I'll mention that one in my honourable mentions. I might have a few now because of that. Uh, but my number five yeah. was a game I remember playing. It came back, came out in 1991, so some time ago. But I'm sure, obviously, I didn't get it back then. Yeah, I was born. <laughs> I was going to say. So already like the game. Uh, and it was on the um, Sega that I played this. And it was, nice. yeah, the Sega Mega Drive. It was my first console I owned. I think I had it before a Game Boy. So I don't think I had the original Game Boy. I think I went straight for the Game Boy Color. But this game is Micro Machines. Oh, what a game. Yeah. I was so annoyed that I'd actually forgotten to put this in my top five when I just spotted it because I used to play it so much. So for those who don't know, obviously Micro Machines is an IP based on the famous uh, toy brand Micro Machines and in which they're tiny, tiny cars, hence the name Micro Machines. Or I say cars, but they're all sorts of vehicles. So you can have helicopters, tanks, anything there. And this game played on that mininess of it all. So you could play... It was a racing game, obviously in which you could race around stuff like um, the bath, dinner tables, uh, pool tables, all sorts of different things. And it was just so much fun. I remember playing it with my friend Carl all the time and used to be able to uh, ride in the boats in the bathtub. But if you got went into the bubbles, then it'd like push you back. Uh, the I remember the um, going along a desk and stuff like pencil sharpeners will be in your way that you had to dodge around. And it didn't have all these gimmicks yeah. like power-ups or anything like that or speed boosts it was most of the cards were at the same level but because of all the obstacles in your way that's what would make it harder there was actually although also say, the, the, the top-down view as well like it was a top-down i view. remember i remember the the episode where you drive around the toilet seat which is one of the easier ones yes in the sense, yes just a big circle but but because of the angle, you know, having to sort of constantly keep a turn on, it meant that you could accidentally sort of fall off or sort of spin yourself around because you weren't focused yeah. enough almost. It was a, it was just a lot of fun, wasn't it? I don't think I ever really played the campaign yeah. that much or if there was a campaign, but I do remember going head-to-head against my brother, some of my friends, just absolutely loving it. Uh, it was just a brilliant game. And I think it's been remastered recently for your mobile phone, so you can actually play on there. A lot of fond memories for this game and I do apologise I'm not as prepared for this one as I should be, but luckily I've got quite a bit of knowledge of it and remember it quite well. I think it, I think what made it so good is it was just so simple. Like I remember like the film... Did you ever, did you ever see the film Indian in the Cupboard? No. Where essentially he's got this special cupboard and he puts a toy Indian or Native American um, and locks it and unlocks it and he comes to love this minish person and he's just like, you know, living in the world with this with his kid. Um, I think everyone's sort of gone, oh, it'd be so cool if you could shrink yourself down and sort of, you know, like your mundane house would also become this like amazing place to explore and that's what micro machines was wasn't it yeah and i used to love honey i shrunk the kids when i was younger so maybe that's what got me interested in that sort of thing i think every kid thought about that and in some way and yeah. God, that'd be cool and it was just and the, the whole it. idea of these giant objects and they weren't technically giant you were smaller in the game but getting in your way and i remember like you had to you could ju- like for its time i feel it was quite revolutionary because you could like jump off the um playing cards that are in the track to land onto the next track and obviously if you missed then you'd fall off the track and get respawned somewhere along it was just yeah loved it great choice great choice so it's one you've played yourself is it yeah uh, sega i have really sort of um bit part memories of it i think my sister really played it more um and yeah, but that that's the game I remember the most and playing the most. And I think what again, what's great is it's it's 
almost an anti-racing game because it's not so much focused on the skill of racing and it's not focused on upgrading your car and yeah. working out you know what you know if you too much acceleration versus you know speed versus weight or whatever you know they do nowadays or even back then with some of the games it, it was just quite simple in its premise which meant it was like pick up and play um yeah i think I, it was I, more I the really... races that made the difference there was slightly different races in each game that made ever so slight yeah. differences to the speed and stuff like that but not enough that I really noticed. No, not that I could either. I'm just having a look now. There was Spider. I remember Spider. He was like a, uh, what's his name? John Travolta-esque Grease character. Ah. That's the character That's the character I used to play as all the time. Yeah. So it was cool. So yeah. So you say, so I feel like I interrupted you a minute ago. You was about to say that this leads you nicely onto your number four pick. So shall we go for your number four? Yeah. And it is a better racing game than we picked, as good as it was. I think this is, for me, the best racing game I've ever played. I'm really worried. And I think a lot of that's to do with that I hate racing games. Okay. This might be our first enjoyed one based on that. Uh, this game, I thought, actually wasn't that popular. Because it's on... And when I used to speak to people, <laughs> they'd not played it. But it yeah. turns out it's the eight best-selling game. And it is Michael Ellingham Watt. Correct. <laughs> is it on your list as well? Oh, we've got an issue. It's my number one pick. <gasps> no way. Well, right. we've got something to talk about at least. Should we save this topic? It's going to be spoiled now, my number one pick. Should we save mm. it until my number one? Yeah, okay then. Should this be how we so, do it? So, shall I go on to my number three, which you can no, use well, to your number shall four? I, shall I... Shall I go on to my number four first? Otherwise, we'll be way out of sync. Yeah, okay. You can tell we haven't got a plan, hadn't got a plan for this in the slightest. We said last week. But I think it only took five episodes, so we've done well, I think. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that was nerve wracking for me. I was, I was worried you were going to pick the same one, and you, then you did, and I was like, shit, what are we going to do? But I think we've, we've, come, <laughs> we've come out of it okay. We've come with our dignity intact. And it means we have a lot to talk about for number one. Oh, hopefully. Oh, I'm looking forward to that one. Stay tuned, guys. I wonder <laughs> what our number one pick could be. Or my number one pick. <laughs> right. My number four. Uh, back in the late 90s and early 2000s, I feel like there was a big sort of push for these type of games. And they were real-time strategy real-time strategy video games. So I'm talking like your Age of Empires, your Command and Conquers. Both fantastic games within their own right. And I used to love them and play both of them all the time. Phenomenal. That's all I can say about them. But the one that made my list is the one that oddly i played more than either of those two combined and it's a game called star wars galactic battlegrounds it was essentially the same as age of empires and command and conquer except it was set in the star wars universe so you could play as wookies the rebel alliance the galactic empire gungans or the trade federation and you could play little campaigns based on each of their stories and i think it was because it had this real-time strategy story set to a universe i kind of enjoyed at the time and that's what i loved about it it was just i felt back in the early 2000s was where lucas arts was, was actually making good games and this was one of them i'm going to take it you haven't actually played it yourself no but i've just googled it now because i've not even heard of it before and it says here that it was built on the same game engine as age of empires one and two so i'm like yeah the, G the genie i would have engine. loved this yeah, yeah i would have loved this game like why the hell have i not played it yeah i don't so a little story to go with it i remember and this is where my parents are going to email into the podcast because I don't speak to them unless they email into the podcast, obviously. Love um, it. Commitment. <laughs> um, and I remember 
getting some money for it must have been god when was this my 12th birthday maybe because it's this game was released near my no near yeah near my 12th birthday can't do maths so i feel like i must have got some money for the 12th birthday and i remember going to game and buying robot wars but it just didn't work on the pc you know when like things were really you had to have proper pcs and then it had the download codes and you couldn't return them to shops and stuff like that yeah, i remember yeah. being really disappointed it just didn't work so we tried to take it back to the shop and i don't think they'd allow it but they, my parents let me pick another game instead and this is the game i picked up didn't know anything about it at the time i think when you're that sort of age you don't know a lot about all the games you're not reading all the magazines and stuff like that necessarily it's sort of word of mouth but this is one i certainly hadn't heard of if i remember rightly like i said it came out very near to my birthday so it definitely wasn't that word of mouth and I just remember going home and playing it all the time. I was absolutely obsessed with it. That's really cool. I, I, I can't believe it. I'm just, like I said, I'm just so like shocked. I, I love that you're just reading. You're like, actually, no, I, I want to play this game. I just yeah, just googling it. Like, it literally just looks like Age Empires Two, but Star Wars. Like that's fucking yeah. Silly. It, that's literally <laughs> what it is. You you start off in a little sort of command center with a scout and three workers, like you do in Age of Empires, and you have to send them off and try and gather Nova crystals, carbon ore, and food, which will help you then to build up and design these. Well, it's called holocrons instead of relics, which you'd get in Age of Empires. Um, you can also get like defensive structures and build up your armies and then eventually go but you could also bring in um big characters such as uh Darth Maul and Qui-Gon Jinn and send them to do certain campaigns as well. That's cool. Do you remind me of when I look at the pictures, did you ever play another RTS game on PC called Total Annihilation? Never heard of that one. Oh my god, it was so good. Was what was it so was good. it similar to this then? Yeah, very similar, but it was like um very like futuristic. Um so yeah, same same sort of idea. A bit more like it played a bit more like uh, Warcraft 3 or Red Alert, maybe. Command and Conquer Red Alert 2, perhaps. A bit like that, yeah. it felt more like. But it was that quite futuristic on set in uh, like a sci-fi world with um, yeah more futuristic sort of armor. So I don't, I don't think you had many soldiers, per se. It was more like tanks and jets and things like that. But yeah, it was really cool. Go, I'm glad one. we got an RTS in here, a real-time strategy yeah. game. I feel like I've, I've, I've got quite a wide variety of games, actually, I've Again, I say this a few times. I've surprised myself with my list. <laughs> right, should we go... Well, let's introduce it properly. Right, Mike, should we go for your number three choice? Let's do it. Um, again, this one is definitely not a game that's underrated or a game that not many people have, have heard of. You know, most of I think, people who are gamers will have played it. However, yeah. that being said, I think it's I think it's underrated because of its sequel being so well-loved and remembered. And that's GTA Vice City. I think that's a fair choice, picking Vice City over GTA 3 or San Andreas. Yeah, I mean, I remember playing 3 and um, falling in love with it. I even remember playing 1 and 2 um, on a friend's PC. and Yeah, with a top-down camera. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I, I, Vice City was the one that I first completed. I think the only one, sorry, that I've ever completed. You know, the main mission, the main storyline. Yeah. Um, so it holds a special place in my heart in that sense, with the sort of Scarface ending. Um, I remember, if I close my eyes and think about GTA Vice City, the only song I can hear playing over and over in my head is Video Killed the Radio Star. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was just coincidence when I played it, that it always seemed to be on every car and bike I got on, but it seemed to be played more than any other song. See, I'm, I'm going to apologise here if I'm getting this song confused with 
GTA 3. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am, so I'm not going to say it. I've changed my mind. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think in GTA 3, the song that I'm thinking of, because I'm 100% sure it's GTA 3, it wasn't a song that I remember, but I remember just always, I remember there being a mafia mission near the top of the map, and like it'd be a proper yeah. sort of don there. And I remember purposely picking out the sort of most mafia car that I could find before going onto that mission, and always playing classical music as I drove into the drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I always well, yeah. specifically do that. But I do apologise. That wasn't about Vice City. That was about GTA Three. No, but it's still the GTA franchise. Yeah. Um I, I remember even the things that I hate. I still remember fondly. Like I remember the flying missions. Um, oh yeah. Where you had to I think drop off. You had to. I think it was the the seaplane, and you had to go through these circles, drop flies off, maybe. And I I've, don't think I've ever played a mission more in my life on any game because <laughs> I kept failing it. Uh, the, because the flying the missions are always camera I started replaying. Uh, GTA, what's the latest one? Five, yeah. And I'm doing a few flying missions on there. I'm like, oh my god, I'm just flying everywhere that's not in the right direction. <laughs> um, and I also remember as well GTA. And I think lots of people probably have stories like this. I remember turning it into a. And I did the same with three as well, but I think I was a bit more. Uh, we came up with different ones on Vice City. Coming up, make it our own sort of two-player game in a way. You know, when a friend came round because obviously you could only play one player, but. Um, I remember we'd do like a cheat where you'd put, you know, put yourself to five star wanted. Yeah. And then um, it was take it in turn. Can you escape on five star against five stars? Um, and then you'd eventually get killed or you'd lose them. And then the next person would, would play it. Um, or we'd do things like we'd get a timer, a stopwatch, and we'd time how far you'd get from one end of the map to the other. So you could do it the quickest. Yeah. Um, and or you know we'd hold up in a certain building and see how long you can survive uh, with you hold up in there before the police kill you. Like I, I just remember playing like lots of little mini games. So even though it was a you know a single player game, I have so many memories of trying to turn it into a two player game in in lots of different ways when your friend was around. Yeah, I I remember like on all GTA games you used to go you used to go, like, go to the airports, didn't you? And then you'd always get a five star rating the moment yeah. you walk into the airports and you try and fly away and get. As... What I remember about this game is it felt realistic ish in terms of its graphics but also quite cartoony due to the color palette it was quite yeah, fun definitely. in that regard it definitely went away from the realism of the previous in that but also really went with a vice city sort of it was miami wasn't it really the yeah. theme of the yeah. whole thing i'm just having a look here by the way at the cast mm. list and i'm quite impressed so tommy verse city is played by ray liotta you've got william nice. fitchner here fellas. louis goodsman and then you've also got burt reynolds and danny dyer <laughs> That no, Who's Danny, Danny Dyer? Dyer. Wait, was he a music producer? He character? was. He was Kent Paul. <laughs> I do now. You say it, I can hear it and see you it. See, I'm gonna, I feel like I'm going to have to because I know you can re- you can get this game on uh, PlayStation Four and such consoles still. So I'm really tempted now myself to go out and replay this game because I don't yeah, think I, I ever I completed th- it either. I think it, I think again, it's years ago, so I, I can't say for simple. I seem to remember it being like is it the sixth the latest one actually? No, it's not. I'm pretty sure it's GTA 5 and they're making 6. In fact, I'm right, so Vice... on that because I'm on Google right now. So it was 3, Vice City, mm-hmm. San Andreas, then 5. Yeah. But technically speaking, yeah, Vice City wasn't an official one. It wasn't part of the 1, 2, 3, 4. Nor was San Andreas. You've also got stuff like the Chinatown Wars. So this is technically... Yeah. And I think they also did a GTA London um, that was, I think, between before three though. That was still top yeah, down. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a top down one. So counting that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's been nine games in the franchise so far. Well, they've done well, haven't they? Yeah, 
No, at, like at GTA games, they've always caused controversy, but they're always top games. I don't know, understand how our parents let us play them. I'm playing, like I say, GTA Five right now, and I'm in shock by some of the language. And it's like, it's, hell, it's, I think it's just a lack of awareness back then, wasn't it? Yeah, like a complete lack of awareness said, of like. My kids are not playing this game. <laughs> <laughs> but as well, like you know, before like the internet had memes and things like that. I think there was this thing, like weird shit you did on GTA, like. Like, no one told me to sleep with a hooker to get my health and then kill her to get my money back, but everyone seems yeah. to have done that. Like, it, like so it's just, you know, it's, it's raised a generation of psychopaths with almost, like, these <laughs> games. But I think that's what was cool is that, you know, you could talk to someone who'd played it and the, the weird shit that you think that only you would have done. Like I said, like, I remember the first time I used to do things where, like I said, hole up, I'd use the gun sheet and just sort of almost time myself to see how long I could hold on um, yeah. before I was killed. You know, I thought... Oh, I've obviously created my own little mini game, and then I speak to other people who'd done it. You know what I mean? We'd never spoke about it. We'd not Googled anything. Uh, we'd just, you know, done the same sort of things that weren't technically game mechanics. We'd we'd made our own little games in there. I think that was there's something quite cool about that. You say you didn't Google it, but there was definitely a cheat website. I think it was like Cheat Masters. Cheat or... Yeah, Cheat Masters make rings about Cheat Masters. I think it might have been. Well, cheap yeah, masters. like I say, you Googled things for things, but it wasn't like how actively like now you can watch videos and there's loads of websites and uh, people who talk about what they do on their games and stuff like that. You just sort of figured it out on your own. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But um, have you noticed these days that games don't have cheat codes in them anymore? There's no cheat codes in games yeah. these days. Like like we talked about back in uh, Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yeah, Goldeneye, how... It just made the game fun. It, they weren't necessarily to make it better or anything. You could just like change your gun into a paintball or make the heads big. But everyone would do it, and it was just a lot of fun. And I feel like people try and go against cheat codes because they feel that they're just trying to make you cheat in the game. But I think the cheats that most people ended up doing, they didn't want to cheat to get to the end of the game because what was, where's the fun in that? They wanted to do stuff like, I remember making the car fly, for example, and stuff like yeah. that. Like, it was a lot of fun. Then these bring back cheat codes in games. There you go. I think it's probably d- DLC related as part of it. Yeah. You know, to mean that things that perhaps used to be cheats and things are now like, well, we can just add this in. Like, you know, sort of that pay to win sort of model that certain games have. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. It probably is that. Okay. Your number three. My number three is the only shooter, like in terms of first person shooter, that technically you're playing multiplayer. But because we didn't have internet or anything back then, never played it online, um, that I was actually quite good at, that I remember. And that's Unreal Tournament. Yeah, good game. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Apparently there is a slight storyline. No idea what that storyline was. No interest in that whatsoever. <laughs> I remember just doing stuff like Capture the Flag, Deathmatch, and Assault. Assault being where it was sort of you had to storm a base and there were certain objectives that you had to do while the other team's defending it. And the AI, I remember being genuinely absolutely fantastic. Like, they would actually be good, which even to this day is quite difficult. But these were AIs and bots that would hide and sort of shoot you if you saw them. And they'd actually be quite difficult to kill. So I didn't need to go online, even though it was famous for being a big one, like a top multiplayer online game. I was never interested in that. My um, only memory of it really is in an IT class, someone had got a copy of it on a USB stick. Oh, really? Yeah, and he, he brought it in and then gave, put it on everyone's computer, well, a load of people's computers, and we started playing in the computer lesson. <laughs> That's on, amazing. On tournament, which was, yeah, it was awesome. Um, well, one of those IT teachers just sat at his desk the whole lesson. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, completely oblivious to everything that was going on. 
Yeah, looking at God knows what. Probably playing his own game <laughs> on there. <laughs> I remember some of the weapons as well. Like there was blades that you'd fire out of the gun and like proper ricochet off everything. And you could sort of like, if you got the angles right, you could get someone from a different, from an angle that shouldn't normally get them. And it was just a, yeah. Well, I think as well, it's like how many games it's spun off. Like that, that competitive shooter model, I feel like sort of started there or at least was popularised yeah. with this. And obviously the Unreal um... Engine is still going to this day, I believe, isn't it? Which is what it was. Yeah, it's yeah. like Far Cry and Crisis. They're all games that are just built to show the capabilities of what this um, game engine can be doing. And I feel they did a good job of it. I, I've got distinct memories of like one on a boat in which you had to storm in an assault. Uh, there was like a futuristic one. And I remember having to jump a distance of while you'd fall to the ground and die. It's one that I wouldn't say I can remember amazingly, but I've definitely got a lot of memories of playing it a lot when I was younger. Good choice, good choice. Um, and leads me into my next one for similar reasons in a lot of ways, actually. Go on. Um, so my number oh, hold on. Are we introducing two. It? I'm trying to, trying to do a thing where we introduce them properly due to having that little sort of before each one. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Instead of just leading into it. That's that's what I'm sort of trying to say say every now and again. <laughs> yeah, should we go for your number two choice? Yep. Um, so my number two in lots of reasons i think for yours is the first time that i remember remember playing online games i know yours was offline but it was sort of the first time it became, it was popularized i remember um i remember essentially what everything i loved about time splitters and what i hoped games would turn into in the future is what this game did for me this was when i was a child playing time splitters 2 and loving it with bots was like oh god it'd be amazing to play it online with, with people not just you know ai computer and that was COD 4. Oh, yeah. It's a good choice. Um, which, surprisingly, is older than you think. It was released in 2007. Um, so I was still in second school. I just remember, first of all, playing the uh, story mode and absolutely loving that and some of the best, probably the best characters in the in the campaign mode. And, you know, I think as a, as a British person, playing with the SAS was just awesome. Like, you know... Them, you know, they're the best of the best, aren't they? And you got to, to be one of them. Yeah. And then going online and playing, you know, Team Deathmatch and my favourite Search and Destroy, um, it was just absolutely unbelievable and, and really felt like I was like, Okay, this is where this is where gaming's headed. Like why? For a while I think there was particularly around when Modern Warfare Two, because I remember playing that ridiculous amount online. Uh, but I, I think around that period, it was where sort of people were talking about the death of single player. You know what I mean? Like, there's, why yes. would you ever make a single player game anymore when you can do this? And obviously, you know, single player had a huge um, comeback with with you know games like the GTA games coming back out, the first Red Dead, uh, Witcher Three, and things. And you know, I think at Skyrim and stuff. But you know, for a while, you know, Call of Duty online was was. was took over my life so much i really was like when am i ever going to play any other game than this yeah well i think what you say like a lot of i think a lot of shooter map games went away from the single player that sort of promoted it because i remember one of my favorite sort of of these types of game was probably the first medal of honor uh mm. in which it wasn't online obviously but i remember the single player mode being fantastic but ever since i would agree call of gt4 when it all went online and then you'd start to see halo and stuff like that because i'm pretty sure that was like 2007 ish that that came out um and they went away from the single player i remember buying halo 3 for example and i completed the single player game in about two hours and i remember one of my friends saying but why do you want to play the single player mode like multiplayer is the way to go and i think the reason for me is that i was shit 
I have never been good at these <laughs> games. So that is why I'm against Call of Duty, because I am shit at the game, and I can never compete against anyone online. Where is the fun of me finishing a nice seven and a half hour day, of, day at work, coming home, putting my feet up, turning on the PlayStation 4, and then dying? Because people are. And, and do you know what? Modern Warfare 2 was the last game I ever really. Like, competitive game I played online, shoot FPS. Yeah. Um, a bit of Black Ops 2 as well, a little bit, but I really played the Black Ops games more of zombies. But uh, yeah, that I'm saying, if you're not playing those games regularly, oh my god, the golfing class is just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I was pretty decent online. Um, and now, if I go on any, any FPS game, not just Call of Duties. I'm just dead within seconds, and I can't like I've become like an old man who can't react quick enough. But I, I think it's more. I think a lot of it is to do with, with how much you play. If you're constantly playing it, you know, to me, you just get sharper and, and oh yeah, and definitely. Quicker. But you know, if if you you pick up and play games online, you know, FPS shooters do not work for it because it is just so competitive. Because people are putting so many hours in every day, and if you're picking up once a week, once every two, you just nowhere near the standards be, yeah. which is a shame. But that's why yeah. I think. Yeah, single-player games have, have had a comeback. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I don't think Call of Duty is necessarily a bad choice. It's just not one that I'd personally pick. Um, especially now, as they do seem to be just rehashing the same game constantly. It doesn't feel fresh. Oh, yeah, 100%. It doesn't feel fresh anymore. No, I'd agree. Uh, but like I said, I think... Back, that, back I in think Call of Duty 4, it was There's no fresh. game I played online more than that. Yeah. Yeah, is, exactly, definitely was. It was a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I'd, I think that's a completely valid choice and you're understandable for, take, for picking it. I will say... We did off-camera stipulate no game beyond the age of 14. How old were you when this came 2007. out? 2007. Um, 14, 15. <laughs> How old were you when this came I out? I, I think I was 14. 1991 to 2007? Yeah. You would have been I finished my GCSEs in 2008. You would have been 15 or 16. You would have been 15 or 16. Yeah, I would have been. <laughs> you know what? Consider this your well, warning. Consider this a warning, <laughs> and I don't expect to see it happen on your number one choice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you already know. Everyone already knows my. Well, actually, no. You don't know my number one choice. Yeah, my number one choice. Everyone knows is my number one. No one knows what your one is. Yeah. Just let it be a warning. So we have only got the excitement of only one more choice from me. Although I've got a few yep. honourable mentions. I'm just going to produce a list when it comes to it. Probably not at that point yet. Cool. My number one choice. I remember being. I remember being such a good game, despite the fact. Wait, number one or number two? My number two. So yeah. I probably said number one, but. I will never know until, did. I, until, until I go back and edit this. You're in the wrong. And I might edit <laughs> okay. it, so you're in the wrong. <laughs> um, well, they've that computerised voice where number one. <laughs> all of a sudden you say, my number, yeah. Except I just said number one again. So <laughs> Anyway, my number two choice is a game that, like I said, I'm not sporty in the slightest, but somehow a sporty game did make it onto my top five. And... I'd say it was the precursors of games like Pro Evolution Soccer and it's International Superstar Soccer 64. And it's not the 64th edition that, of the game. That's the Nintendo 64 Was it the version. Nintendo 64 game? Yeah, I think I remember playing this one. Yeah. Not much, but I did. Yeah. I remember me and my brother used to play it all the time and just the commentary was top-notch in that it was shit, but amazing. I remember <laughs> as um, when you came into the game with International Superstar Soccer. And you'd hear the <laughs> classic Konami, um, like Japanese style music over the top, and you'd go through the selection and pick your um, teams. And it was obviously international, um, so all the sort of World Cup sort of teams that you could play as. But they all had slight knockoff names, like you had T Keegan or K Hoddle and stuff <laughs> like that, so they could get away with the copyright issues. <laughs> um, 
and then you start the game and say like you was playing Japan against Greece it'd start the um, game being like today's game is Japan versus Greece like the person who obviously only recorded one way of saying Greece and it might be like how they scored so they'd always just have whenever you mention Greece it'd be Greece and stuff like that it was just fantastic <laughs> for it and like it was at the time quite revolutionary I'd say because it was I believe the first game in which you could do like a one-two so you could pass to one player and then they'd pass it um, back to you um, you could play a through ball so it'd be great for sort of like beating the offside and everything it was just a I feel, think it was the building grounds that eventually led up to Pro Evolution Soccer mainly because it was developed by the same people and FIFA that we see now and being 3D at the time I think it might be the first 3D football game that was released and it was just a lot of fun me and my brother used to play it all the time and I remember kicking his ass all the time because I'd play as the goalie. Also, another great thing about it is it used to give you scenarios. So you might be playing um, a World Cup game from yonder years. I can't think of any of that off the top of my head, but it might be like England versus Switzerland and you'd be losing 3-1 and you have to win the game. And it gives you little That's scenarios cool. like that or you'd start the game in a corner um, from a corner kick and you had to score the corner. And it was just, it was quite an interesting way of doing football games were back in its days because it came came out back and in 96 that, that replayability as well isn't it which is good it's, you have to mean you can oh, yeah. keep playing it and playing it over and over like i said me and my brother played it all the time like the commentator i it's still amazing he's he, he hasn't but someone's created a um twitter account called international superstar commentator and he just literally got his voiceovers <laughs> over random football games, and it's hilarious to watch. And it always That's come out at the second half out. and explain that both that um, like one team, so South Africa is playing from left to right, whereas Saudi Arabia is <laughs> playing right to left. And it always explained the rules of football that everyone knew. And yeah, it was yeah great game. Like I said, it it's the commentary that I remember so vividly, and it was fantastic, awful commentary. But I think at the time it was good commentary because it really would. I remember get being as the goal player, um, goal player, goal goalkeeper. Tell you can tell I know a lot about football, can't you? <laughs> you uh, you'd play as the goalkeeper, and it'd be really easy to score a goal as the goalkeeper. And I don't think my brother realised this because if you tackled the goalkeeper, you'd get a red card instantly. So right. pass to the goalkeeper, run all the way to the other end and score a goal. But you just hear the commentator go, oh my God, he's taking it all the way. And it was just, <laughs> I just loved it. It was just brilliant. It was a, I feel like it was ahead of its time. It probably wasn't, but I feel like it was ahead of its time thinking about it now. I loved it. No, it's a good choice. And it's one of those, isn't it, that's tired with memories, obviously, of you and your brother playing it. And yeah, definitely. It. And I guess it's probably the first game you were probably aware of a game's flaws, so obviously almost, where you yeah, could definitely. laugh at it. Yeah, I remember as well, like, the, um, that choice. Uh, the, over, the overtime, is that the word for it? Extra time. Bloody Extra hell. Time. I, I do I did used to watch football and play football. And I do know these things. I'm not a completely oblivious guy who don't knows nothing about football. Um the extra time, it was so unweighted. So like you'd play so you'd set up the game so it'd play three minutes, for example, per half. Because obviously you'd never really play a full forty five minute game per half. You'd be there for ages. And so you play three minutes per half. But then extra time came along and it'd be six minutes at a time, which would probably equate to a couple of seconds. But no, in this game, it'd actually be six full minutes. So the extra time was actually... So the extra time was longer than the actual game itself. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was genius, but also shit at the same time. But I loved it. I've got such fond memories of it. I love that. And like I said, I think that that's 
that's what makes games, isn't it? I think that's what makes you a gamer, isn't it? Is it stuff like that growing up that you have like nostalgic attachments to that make you still want to play games almost because you you're almost chasing that high of your youth, aren't you? Of, yeah. of wanting that feeling back almost that you got that you could only get from games. You know what I mean? It doesn't. It's not the same from a film or a book as much as I love films and books and things like that. Um, is there any something about you being the yeah. the character? In the- I'm really I'm really looking forward to making those sort of memories when my child who's not yet arrived but by the time this podcast comes out it might have done but i'm really looking forward yeah. to uh just making those memories with my kid and i sort of want to get old school games that i grew up on and play with them them with them because there is if they are almost oblivious when they're younger to the new style games out there they'll appreciate the young the other games um a lot more so I'd love yeah, to be definitely. able to do that with them and bring them up on like, oh, here's your first console for your birthday. It's a Sega Mega Drive. And then get them a Nintendo 64 <laughs> and work their way up. Like maybe speed up the process a bit from the console releases. But I- I'd love that. I've still got, I was sort of, well, putting the Christmas decorations away end of December. And I found my old N64 and all the games up there. So See. we will, like I said, I think we mentioned this first time, but we'll have to genuinely, uh, you'll have to come around and we'll have to, yeah, I'm pretty sure my um, parents got our N64 in the loft, but well, they're saying that they're clearing out recently, and they definitely haven't mentioned it. But yeah, I agree. I'd love to sort of play the Nintendo 64 again. It's a great console, such amazing games. I'd say it's got some of the best games ever made on it. Yeah, definitely. And that leads me into a game that wasn't direct uh, on the N64, but you could play it on the. Oh, there's a tease and a half. So number <laughs> one for me. Oh, is, are we actually on to um, number ones? Yeah, because. I'm on my number one, oh, which is sort of uh, my number two. I do apologise, I just feel like this recording my number f- flown by. Yeah, it has done. Uh, but our number one will probably be longer. Your number one will be longer because it's also my number five yeah. or four. Well, four. I, I hope the listeners are enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying actually discussing these ones. Um, And you've said that you've been quite nice there. I'm going to go the Ooh. other way. So my it's, choice... It's not our number one. I didn't think it was our number one. This is... This is the professionalism that everyone tunes in for. We've got honourable mentions. No, this is my number one. We've got honourable oh, mentions. Oh, yes, you're right. It's time for the honourable mentions. <laughs> I've won the honourable mention already, by the way, as well. Oh, probably. My three, you probably wouldn't have heard of. But go on. So, uh, first one that I'm not going to talk about too much is an Xbox. Well, I played an Xbox. It might have been out on other consoles as well, but that was Fable. Oh, yeah. Um uh, fancy RPG that was brilliant. It was like had lots of British humour in. It was funny. Narrated and, by Stephen Fry. Uh, yeah, and then I remember the 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 creator Peter Monolly just when the next one came out, number two, him saying like basically saying this game was going to be just like unbelievable. It's basically he was describing a game that was almost on like the level of cyberpunk of things that this game would do, and they just did not have the technology. Well, <laughs> the stuff he was saying is that why he's universally hated in the video game world. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Oh, Honestly, okay. the, the things... Because then as well, everyone would be like, amazing. And then you'd play this game, which was great, but it was disappointing as fuck after number one because you were like, well, I was promised all of this and it, it that wasn't the game I got. But it was still good. But <laughs> um, yeah, so Fable was brilliant. But my honourable mention, um, one that if you're anything like me, I used to play at school all the time uh, in IT lessons and business and you could share a keyboard and that was Slime Soccer. What okay, a game. I don't recognise it. Oh my god, I'll see if it's still online, find you a link. You literally just used to use W A S D. Oh, slimesoccer.io. There we go. 
and you're essentially this little slime and you've got to head the ball um, and kick the ball over the other slime to score. And you could play against the AI in, in a World Cup or you could play against a friend who would use, I think it was like UHJK or ooh, something like ooh, that. Ooh. I've started the game and you all, it? I, all I can hear is a noise in my ears. Am I shouting? <laughs> okay, there we go. I'll turn <laughs> yeah, the music off. <laughs> okay, so this is the first game that I'm going to have a quick game of. Let's see what it was like. No, I definitely don't remember this. Ooh. Oh, it's so Ooh, good. What am I doing? How do I jump? Uh, up, I think, like W or Spaceball, oh, yeah, maybe. It's up, the sensible option. Why is it called Slime Soccer? Because I'm playing as a metal robot. See, I remember them being like these, like. Um... Like half moon slimes. Yeah, they are. Um, do you know what it's reminding me of a bit? Oh, I just scored an own goal. What? <laughs> it's reminding me a bit of uh, Rocket League. Yeah, I guess so. Like a, a very, very early like precursor to it. Yeah, like a 2D version. Yeah. Right, it turns out I'm not very good at this game, so I'm going to stop playing now. Plus, I'm sure listening <laughs> to me play the game is not very exciting. Never played it myself. Listen to you play it badly, however. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at this game. Um not saying it's a bad game but yeah that was a that was a great internet game i, I remember there being a period where like even though i had like a ps2 and stuff like people would find these free online games that you'd, oh yeah that you'd play like it was the, flash like, games that would exactly just... it was the thing to do back in the days wasn't it i remember there was one called classroom yeah. cheater maybe in which you mm. a classroom cheat in which you is at a desk and the teacher would be looking around and you see their scope of vision yeah. And you had to try and cheat off someone and look at them. But then, obviously, if the teacher looked at you, then you just caught cheating. I remember there being, like, a free... Um, like, lo- there was loads of stickmen adventures, wasn't there? Which you'd go around yeah. as stickmen shooting people. There were, I, I've got loads of memories of not actually doing work and actually playing on those games instead. Yeah, there you go. And for me, Slime Soccer is the one that will always, I don't know, have a place in my heart because of playing it so much at school. <laughs> you know what? That's a solid choice. And I'll give it to you there. Right. Your honourable mentions. My honourable mentions. So, as I've said at the top of this episode, I have got so many, 54 choices that I could have narrowed it down from. So, to get to just eight, and that's including the honourable mentions, I think pretty impressive. But I've got stuff on here like Bubsy, Toy Story 2 on the PS1, Elf Bowling, do you remember that? No. Um, oh, rubbish. Legends of Wrestling, Red Car Soccer. Red Car? Red no. Card Soccer. In which you could basically oh yes do whatever you wanted and just le- literally just like almost kill the other player yeah and I think absolutely fine couldn't you, yeah and couldn't you foul the ref as well yeah 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 um, I remember that beautiful Joe pilot wings got so many on my list it's insane but my honourable mentions so I'll start off with well I don't th- no I'll start off with the game that I probably got the least memories of but I do remember playing it all the time and it was called Rollo to the Rescue and I used to play it around my aunt's house on the Sega Mega Drive. A lot of games I used to play on my aunt's house because I remember my one of my cousins in her bedroom, she had a PS1. My other cousin had a Sega Mega Drive and then downstairs they'd have a Nintendo Entertainment System. So they'd have quite a variety of consoles. But very little... Rich to the family. Rescue. Say again? Rich family. <laughs> <laughs> no, just a lot of kids. There's four of them. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Rollo to the Rescue is a really simple game. I won't go into too much detail and I just remember enjoying it. It was a nice little two, 2D platformer in which you play as a, a little elephant who had to go through these little levels that was sort of much akin to most um, 2D platformer games and he used to use his um, powers to sort of do stuff so he used to be able to use his trunk to shoot water or suck in uh, objects and shoot them out and stuff like that. He also, I remember him used to be able to like float in the air. I think he could use like helium to do that or something like that. Um, but he'd go around trying to save all the other animals in the map so you'd like you'd try uh 
save like a mole for example or a squirrel or a rabbit and you can swap between these characters and use their special abilities as well it was just a nice little 2d platformer and i remember it being just one of my top sega mega drive games beyond like sonic and games like that of all time and playing it quite a lot so that's one number two is a game that is actually on the app store on the sega mm. um so sega have got their own publisher on the app store where they've released some of their top games and it's on there and it's called dynamite heady it was very very similar to um what's his name rayman in which you play as a character yeah. who um it was a little platform game and you'd go along and you had to save the world from this evil puppet king and you'd use your head to sort of attack things so your head would come flying off and you could get different power-ups and like things could, like one of them i remember like loads of blasts would come out of you from all angles and as you run along you'd attack all the enemies but i remember it being quite a difficult little platformer but it was played as like a like almost a fear to show you sort of thing so like the curtains would open and stuff like that and it was quite a nice little visual game i'd say and I'd, if you get a chance to play it on your phones or anything would recommend it it's a nice game but my actual proper honorable mention goes to a game that not a single person listening would have heard heard of except for my family so this one's to you guys and it's called word rescue so it's the first game on? it was on um the microsoft dos Ooh. so it's the first game i ever remember playing i've spoken to my dad about it recently and he said he got it free on a ma- in a magazine back in the days when you used to get <laughs> floppy disks and stuff um, and he plays a little boy or girl who's um, been enlisted by a bookworm called Benny to track down the missing words that have been stolen by these evil gruzzles. And then you've got to match them in the pictures. So across this little sort of, all across all the levels, you might have a little question mark and you jump onto it and it says the word pen. You then have to go across the map to find the word pen. But if you hit these gruzzies, then you die instantly and you have to restart the whole level. Um, also, if you went across the map and selected the wrong, so you, Instead of a pen, you picked a, I don't know, I can't think of another three-letter word, gun. Because I know for a fact gun was one of them. <laughs> um, you selected the gun. I'm not going gru- to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, a gruzzle will appear, and you've got to press spacebar as quickly as you can to make Benny appear and chuck some slime over it to kill it. It was just, I remember playing it loads as a kid. Like I said, no one's going to have heard of it, but I know me and my brother will have distinct fond memories of it and like as you go across the worlds um, and across the levels like the words get harder so it was an educational game and it was sort of the games that everyone used to play in primary school and stuff like this but i actually done it well it was quite a nice little platformer so yeah if you've ever got kids and you want to start teach them how to spell i recommend word rescue because i can spell so it clearly worked <laughs> if it wasn't for this game who knows <laughs> Right, on to our number ones. Indeed. Oh, I wonder what they could be. So I'm excited about We know what yours is, obviously. Do we? Do we? Well, maybe, like maybe, I say, maybe, my, my third... I can say maybe we just didn't want to talk... I didn't want to talk about... So maybe I said it was that earlier, so we'd move past very quickly, and now this is it. <laughs> well, this, my number one, is uh, one of two games that you could have picked up that were very similar. Mm-hmm. And like I say, you could also play it on the N64, although it wasn't an N64 game. You had to have an attachment. And that is Pokemon Blue. And <laughs> fuck all of you that were Pokemon Red fans, because Pokemon Blue was where it was at. I had Pokemon Blue. So I almost picked Pokemon Stadium as one of my choices. And the, I reason, I picked, that. the reason I picked Pokemon, almost picked Pokemon Stadium is because of the thing that you just mentioned. You could play it, play Pokemon Blue on um, 
your Nintendo 64 with an attachment, I had that attachment that you could play it on Pokemon Stadium and you could speed up time. So it was a two for one in that Pokemon Stadium, I'm saying, had Pokemon Stadium and also Pokemon Blue on it. So that's why I was going to pick that originally at one point. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm with you. Well, I, you know, I think this game for me, I don't think I've ever played a game or known more about a game than this one. And I remember going to a, a, a news agent and picking up a um, a copy of like a Pokemon Red and Blue guide. Mm-hmm. And I, absolutely. It was like a Bible. And it got to the point that I read that magazine so much and I played the game because I'd replay it. As soon as I completed it again, I'd just start again. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you remember, it was in between the second and third gym so between misty and lieutenant surge um cave or or was it yes the dark cave i never ever used flash but i played it so much and i used that magazine so much that i think even now just from pure muscle memory i could get through that cave in pure darkness and know where all the ladders were uh, and things like that it was crazy know where all the pokeballs to collect are yeah exactly that's it and um yeah, I still remember the rare candy cheat when you get to, I think it's called Cinnabar Island, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, and then you can get unlimited, well, 99 uh, rare candies to cheat and get your Pokemon leveled up. Um, I'm pretty sure, by the way, that this cave was between um, Brock and Misty. Because I remember yeah, I when I you came it. out of the cave, like there was a bit to the top where you could go see Bill, wasn't it? But then to the top and left is where you'd catch Abra and you'd always try and dart away before you had a chance. Yeah, I think it was between coming out like like you say. Haven't played this game in Actually, years, but I've got vivid memories of that. Yeah, in fact, yeah, I remember like the, the trick was that you were supposed to use cut and go back somewhere. I think to get flash off something was that when you first learnt cut from Brock, maybe. Yeah, you had to get or, or something like that. That's like how you route, were supposed to do it. Yeah, and then you get electric Pokemon to use Flash, but I never knew how to do that, even though I had the goddamn magazine. <laughs> um, and instead just basically learned to, yeah, manoeuvre through this this cave in pitch black. But yeah, again, so many fun memories, so many hours. Um, you know, I grew up loving the TV show as a kid and watching it on, uh, it was SMTV Live with Anna and yeah. Deck and Cat yeah. Neely. What a show. I remember like excitedly sitting down for the first episode, being really excited. Like it was fantastic. I remember me and my friend we went to the cinema to watch all the movies. It was yeah. such a big thing, and obviously, it, what came first, the animation or the games? There's a question. I'm about to say, I seem to remember that the, what common way around it was that they made the they either made the game or the t or the animation to help sell the trading cards or something. They made you know yeah. what I mean like part of the reason for making it was to sort of sell. It was you know it was always this idea of getting money from this idea of a collectible sort of thing. So. They, I feel like so it's been the trading card the game. The game came first. Yeah. I don't I'm not looking at the trading cards yet, but the video game came first in America. In sorry, in Japan. In America the game didn't come out or in England. So in America the game came out in 1998 September. Um in England it didn't come out until October 5th, 1999. But we should get things much later back then, didn't we? The first episode of the Indigo League was aired in Japan in 1997. But then again, in America, it aired from 1999. So I think the game came first in each country. There we go. And then it was the TV show after that. Yeah. But yeah, brilliant. You know, not lots to be said about Pokemon. Everyone knows how, how popular it is, in, um, or, or was anyway. Oh, I, I got Pokemon Sword. It was a bit easy, in my opinion, but I still absolutely loved it. It still had that nostalgia feel to it. 
do you know what? I've still got my Game Boy Advance and my copy of Pokemon uh, Blue, even to this day. I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. Yeah, I remember. So I had Blue, I had Pokemon Gold, and then I think I grew yeah. out of it by Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire because I remember just before we went to secondary school, the year before me, Pokemon was banned and you weren't allowed to take Pokemon trading cards or Game Boys into school. So I never went to school and got to play these games. So I stopped playing it then. And I think I got Heart Gold when that came out. And I, thought, a bit of I thought you were going to say that you stopped going to school when they wouldn't <laughs> let you bring your Pokemon games in. You're like, and that's when I was like, fuck that. And I was homeschooled for the rest of my life. I used to genuinely draw the Pokemon and cut them out sort of like into their shape as they're meant to be. And in um, put them in front of the trading cards in their wallet. And then I used to trade the Pokemon pictures that I drew to people for Pokemon cards. Wow. Genuinely true. And you remember there was always that kid who traded his Game Boy for a shiny Charizard or something and the mum would always be like, what yeah. the fuck did you just do? <laughs> yeah, they'd end up at your house, wouldn't they, later that night? And you've yeah. got, yeah, you've got, got to swap it back. <laughs> no, Pokemon, like, I know we're talking about everything with Pokemon here. Um, like I said, I, would, I almost picked Pokemon Stadium on one of my top games um, just because you got to play Pokemon Stadium and Pokemon Red or Blue. Like, just groundbreaking in what it did for that sort of franchise, that sort of collectum. Because really, the, it's a simple game, isn't it? There's not much to it. Yeah. Collect a Pokemon, make it bigger and stronger, and fight it. That's it. And it's but a lot they... of grinding, really. You know, for a oh, child, yeah. well, playing it as a child, there's a lot of just, right, I've just got to go into the grass and keep battering these pidgeys until my Pokemon learns a certain move so I can beat the gym leader. Like, yeah, you know, parts of it just weren't fun, if you know what I mean. No. It was like, say, just grinding. But again, I remember, you know, going back to TV show, I remember watching like Xena um, or WWF, you know, it, as background as I was sort of grinding through Pokemon for an hour just to level up all my Pokemon. Yeah, no, I love it. Great game, great choice, top notch. And now you're number one and my number four. Okay, my number one is Grillers.bass. What? <laughs> Have you ever heard of this game? Google no. it. I can gar- guarantee you played it. <laughs> I mean, what's it called? Gorillas. So the ape-like. Are they apes? Gorillas. What? Dot B A S. Just caught some weird porn, mate. What were you doing as a child? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not. Although it says it was for the the bloody IBM Corporation uh, made it for the MS DOS. So no, I've. N- oh, I've did you not have an MS DOS? It was just like the old no. school sort of like um, worms game in which you put your trajectory and your griller would throw a um, boulder to see if you'd hit the other griller. But if you missed, you'd destroy part of the scenery. It was just an old school worms. Anyway, joking aside, my number one choice that, as you might have noticed, me and Mike came up with an idea to keep you guys, what's the word, sort of, what's the word I am <laughs> Still for? listening and not turning it off. <laughs> All right, yeah. we know number one choice now. <laughs> like, inf- not infused. This is groundbreaking. Intrigued. Intrigued. I was going to grab a a thesaurus. Hey, hey, if only there was a game in your youth that helped you learn new words, that would have come in (laughs) handy, wouldn't it? It was word rescue, not thesaurus rescue. (laughs) Simonum rescue. Yeah, so our number one choice is Diddy Kong Racing. What an amazing game. It was, in my opinion, better than Mario Kart. And would you agree with that, in your opinion? Um... Yeah, 100%. Like, by a mile. Like, yeah. by a country mile as well. Like, I'll be honest. I think Mario Kart's one of the most overrated games ever made. I'll agree. I enjoy it. Don't get uh, me wrong. I think it's... It's a great party game. I enjoy... It's a great party game to play once and then realise that there's rubber banding. So, if you lose it, you actually get a speed boost to keep up with everyone. Yeah. 
Um, it's and better than proper for me, than sort of false rubber banding. It's a bit more obvious with it as opposed to suddenly speeding up the cars. To be fair as well, I don't know about this for you. For Diddy Kong Racing, I have very few memories of actually racing. Just driving around the little course that you've got at the beginning to go into the levels. Or are you on about yeah, the and like, I re- play you on about the, the flying the, the, or the, the mini boats? games. I'm on about the mini games you could play. Remind me of the mini games. So me and my sister used to play all the time. So again, you could have bots and AIs and things like that. So there were ones where you it was almost like a team deathmatch. You had to just you know fire against the opposition people with the with the rockets. That's all you did. You just drove around this level. There was no yeah. start and finish. It was just a time limit. Or there was there was one where it was almost like. Um, Almost like in Four Guards, where you've got to put the eggs in a in a basket, but you can go and steal yeah, it and as well. So you get your beh- They was behind you, weren't they? As you collected more, yeah, and more eggs. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for, for me, that's my whole memory of Diddy Kong Racing was all the mini games aspects of it, rather than the actual racing aspect of it. Yeah, no, I do remember those games now. Um, don't think I played them as much, but definitely. That's interesting then. That the reason it's my number four and your number one are two totally different reasons. Like I said, for me, it was it was just playing those mini games. Uh, it was nice to have those characters. I think I just loved well. like there was hidden things uh, in all the levels, so you could collect balloons, couldn't you, or stuff like that within each yeah. level. So you use racing, but you actually had other sort of things to try and find without the level while still win, trying to win the race. And it was also because Mario Kart, relatively recently in the grand scheme of things, got like um, boats and gliders. This was a game that you could actually fly in a plane or glide in a sort of hovercraft and had a mm. great range of characters that you could play play as that weren't as famous Nintendo IPs, but were still pretty big. So like Banjo the Bear from Banjo-Kazooie. You had Conker the Squirrel from Conker's um, Bad Fur Day. Obviously Diddy Kong from um, Donkey Kong. It was just a really... I felt, felt it sort of pushed what Mario Kart already had done and made it better. And I feel a lot of people a bit older than us have memories of, or a bit younger than us, sorry, have memories of Crash Team Racing. And I feel like this yeah. was the game that became Crash Team Racing because you had that, so you start off in a world that sort of, you drive, you can drive around it and go into these mate, uh, these race maps from a little door. That's what Crash Team Racing did. I feel this game became Crash Team Racing and I got a full audit for it. I feel like this and... Rugrats, we need to really start the campaign to get a sequel or a remaster of it. I don't understand how there's oh. only been one Diddy Kong Racing game. Yeah, I mean, Rugrats particularly, it has to be a remaster because how can you, you know, how can you do a sequel? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd agree. <laughs> um, so reading yeah, here, no, I think, I think, apparently... I think a great choice, and I think... Oh, go on. I was going to say, apparently, Rare began developing a sequel for the GameCube called Donkey Kong Racing. Um, I'm not sure what happened to it by the looks of it. Oh, I think it's because... You know what, in some ways, as much as you desperately want a sequel for games that you love, it's like when you get a sequel to a film, and you're like, oh... You know, like, The Hangover. The Hangover would have been up there with sort of a super bad um, for how good it was, or a Step Brothers, if it had just stayed at that first one. But it sort of muddied its legacy by making watered-down sequels that weren't as good. And I think that's probably what makes some of these older games so iconic, is because they didn't ruin it by making more of them. I think it probably was, you know, Mario Kart's problem. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I, well, I think actually what made what made this better than Mario Kart is, for me, like I said, we seem to have come up with this at very different reasonings. But Mario Kart, I feel, works better as a multiplayer game. This one, it, don't get me wrong, I used to play it as a multiplayer game all the time, me and my brother. But it still worked really well as a single player game. There was actual 
objectives and a proper campaign to do as opposed to just a tournament that you win you get golden and then that's it there's no sort of continuing story there is an actual story at play here a physical plot i used to have to win that every sort of beat like three races or something like that you then have to beat like the big enemy didn't you and it was like an oversized um enemy that would just do the race with you but it was just massive compared to you yeah i I just i just think i don't know maybe it's a bit hipstery because it wasn't as popular i don't know but like i say even the racing part felt more competitive more skill-based then i feel like um mario kart becomes a lot of of luck if you know what i mean i felt like you if you were good at diddy kart maybe i'm wrong like i say because it's you know the haze of youth almost at youth even but um i do feel like there was there was more skill to it involved and that it was more i don't know creative in some ways yeah no, absolutely, those absolutely great top five pick great top one pick in my opinion um one of my favorite games as a kid played it all the time and before we get people e- emailing in there was an enhanced remake for the N- nintendo ds that came out back in 2007 but why has there not been one on the nintendo switch is all i'm saying i know let's start the campaign now <laughs> hashtag. let's start a hashtag yeah. <laughs> i know well this is more for us than the list they can listen in as well if they want um our next one, I'm really feeling the documentaries one. Are you? Have you got a top five documentaries? Oh, I don't know, but I'm sure I could think of one or some. I'm in. I'm into it in a big way. It's a very different topic from what we're going from in the past, but I'm not against it. Nice. Well, um, as well, just we always have this sort of like little conversations at the end as well. But one thing that you spoke about before, which is really cool, if any of you people are listening, but uh, we looked at the sort of where people have played so what you know sort of what countries the demographic and things like that and we had some listeners was it canada yeah france mexico i mean that's absolutely unbelievable if those people are still listening you've got to email in because that's unreal so again if you want to contact us and again we'd love to hear your top fives or any questions or uh, any any suggestions or or anything yeah if any of you scumbag Pokemon Red players want to come at me, that's fine. Uh, you can you can reach us on through email on mamonpodcast at hotmail.com. Mamonpodcast. Or on Twitter. <laughs> Should I do that again? Yeah. Mamonpodcast. <laughs> you can reach us on email through mamonpodcast at hotmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook by searching Mammon Podcast on there too. Uh, and Twitter, we still have zero followers, so, which is embarrassing, to be honest with you. Um, and every time I log on, well, I get, I just get that uh, every time I log on Twitter, I'm like, this is the day. And then there's no one there. So it's disappointing because I'm in charge of the Facebook page and Mike's in charge of the Twitter page. We know which one's going well. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take over. There's going to have to be a uh, Mike replace Mike on yeah. <laughs> Twitter if we're, if we're not careful. Well, while we've been doing this podcast... Um, two more people have liked the Mammon Facebook group, so just saying who's winning. What, genuinely? What, during this podcast we're recording? Yeah. That's unreal. Love it. There you go. Real-time strategy Facebooking there. The RTS of the <laughs> Facebooking game. <laughs> right, should we uh, should we call this shit show of podcast today? Oh, I think we're getting better, and I'd like to think <laughs> no, our I... listeners think we're getting better. I didn't, I think, I didn't yeah. hear any tapping of any microphone cable from you today. No, but I physically had to move myself into the corner of a room away from my computer desk and everything. And even then, there were still times where I had to stop myself like tapping things. I've been this is genuinely getting into like looking on Reddit and looking through podcasting because I really want to improve this podcast and make it better listening for the listeners. I want 
I don't want us to be sort of, we are amateurs at the game at the end of the day. We're never going to be up there with the top podcasts, at least not yet, that's for sure. Um, but I still want it to be a nice experience for our listeners. So I've been going through the subreddits to get advice and stuff, and people post their sort of podcast setups all the time on there. And people have got like tents that they record in. Some people do genuinely record in the toilet. A lot of people record in their wardrobes, and it's really bizarre. I'm just happy in my little bedroom. Yeah, I'm happy in my office. <laughs> I feel like if I got to that point, I should probably stop doing it. Like that. But I feel if like I was... that's the next step, isn't it? We'll we'll buy a house and it's got to have a podcasting room. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's if uh, yeah, if we ever get to how many how many subscribe is it subscribers? Is that the the word on on podcasting? Followers? Uh, subscribers, listeners? followers, yeah. Listeners. I think listeners is the better word. Yeah. We'll have to come up with the number of, of when we'll do something a bit more unique for it. Like we'll we'll go out and buy something proper, like a maybe a tent rather than a whole house. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a tent um over a year ago for just the, the summer just gone to actually go camping, but there was some weird pandemic or something from what I've heard, so I've not been able to use it. So I've got quite a big tent that we could use. I imagine they're surely they're like soundproofing tents, not or sound dampening at least. Yeah, I was gonna say it's more tent. sound damping thing. They're definitely not soundproof. Last time I went camping, it was with you, and there was that massive festival going on in a field next door, and just could not sleep. Right. Um. I will see you, Michael, next week for our next podcast. Which you mean um, you, you will listen to me next week for our next podcast? Yeah, we don't even do vi- visuals anymore, do we? No, we've removed. Is it the easier to do this without looking into my face? It it felt reassuring to begin with. Yeah. It, it was just now, looking into your eyes. You sort of looked at me in a way that was like, keep going, Michael. You're doing okay. You, you can do this. Get your sentences out. I've just got a lazy eye, mate. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> right. I will see you next week as well as the listeners. And again, thank you. If you um, by the way, gold star if you get to this, like the dregs that we have at the end. <laughs> as we're like tired. Because we always record late at night. Have you noticed that? We always record and start yeah. like eight. And it gets like half nine on a work night. And I like... I've. I've lost my motivation. So fair play to anyone who's still listening. Again, yeah, I, I, I want a, I want a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, email if if you are one of those who gets right to the bitter end. Yeah. I know it doesn't sound like it, but this honestly is an unscripted podcast. I know it sounds like the most scripted <laughs> thing you've ever heard. <laughs> Genuinely, like the professionalism with us saying exactly what we're going to say is really there, but <laughs> it's honestly not. We come up with this on the fly. So, yeah. Which is well you done, know, you. Uh, well done. <laughs> well so, done. Sometimes you. <laughs> it is, sometimes it is shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks for listening. Right. And like we say, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Give us an email if you want, and tell your friends as well. Thanks yeah, please. Listening. Yeah, share, 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 and like. Cheers. See you later, guys. Bye. Right, should we stop recordings? Yeah.